You mean you'd still? Well, I like you. You're nice. And you're funny. And you don't smoke. Yeah, okay, werewolf. That's not all the time. I mean, three days out of the month. I'm not much fun to be around either. From the darkest corners of Chicago, this is the unenthusiastic critic's Halloween movie marathon. Hello everyone and welcome to the Unenthusiastic Critic. I'm Michael McDonough, I write about film and television at unaffiliatedcritic.com. With me today, together forever, united against life as we know it, is my lovely wife Nakia, also known as the Unenthusiastic Critic. Hello. On this week's episode, Nakia and I continue our 2022 Halloween movie marathon, and this year we're watching movies that neither of us has seen before. Today, we're sitting down for our first viewing of John Fawcett's teenage werewolf movie, Ginger Snaps, from 2000. But Nakia, before we get to the movie, I thought this week we'd have a talk about teenage girls. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically, obviously, I'm thinking of teenage girls in horror, and more specifically, I'm thinking of teenage girls in horror as not the victims, but the monsters. Okay. Dave Kerr, reviewing Ginger Snaps for the New York Times, said, The werewolf legend has been treated as a metaphor for the onset of puberty in a number of films, including 1957's I Was a Teenage Werewolf and 1985's Teen Wolf. In comparison to the horror of the real thing, lycanthropy is almost a comforting explanation for all the disturbing developments of late adolescence. The sudden sprouting of unfamiliar hair, body parts going through odd transformations, and the appearance of deep-seated urges that just won't go away. But those films approach the subject from a male perspective. Ginger Snaps is perhaps the first werewolf movie to recast the imagery from a female perspective. And I don't know whether that's necessarily true, that this is the first female werewolf movie. Uh, Arguably, Cat People, both the 1942 original and Paul Schrader's 1982 remake, were female werewolf movies, or at least were-cat movies. Were-cat. And this is definitely not the first film to tap into horror tropes as a metaphor for adolescent female alienation, rage, and or empowerment. So I thought we'd take a few minutes to talk about that, because I actually think this is one of your favorite subgenres <laughs> of horror. You, you, you sort of like these movies in which the adolescent girl gets, gets a little power. I mean, they tend to be fun. They tend to be a good time. Yeah, I mean, I think it's an area that is... I think we've seen it both ways. We've seen it where this idea of connectivity between monster and menstruation has been seen through the lens of male writers and directors. And more recently, we've seen it through the eyes of, you know, female directors and, and, and writers. And it's always been quite fascinating, this idea of, like, female sexuality as monstrous. This terrifying it's thing. It's a terrifying thing. And even outside of horror, in like sitcoms and things like that, when the the girl child gets her period, it's a whole episode <laughs> about the fact that she's got her period and, and what happens now. And oh my gosh, she's a totally different person and she's moody and she's crying and I don't understand her. And it's a... She's rebellious. There's a stranger she's, in my home now. Yeah. And it's like, she just got her fucking period. Right. It's fine. And so it's it's always been interesting to me, this this fear of it, when it's... A very normal, rather benign happening. No, no, it's it's monstrous and terrifying. If you have a uterus... That's why we used to send you folks off to the Red Lodge. It's probably going to happen to you. So, okay, let's move on from that. Like, is that what is... So, it's, yeah, it's just been fascinating that there's so much both fascination with it, curiosity around it, and total lack of understanding of what it is, what happened, even just the physicality. Like, it's just... I'm not actually going to learn about what happens. I'm just going to imagine. And so I'm going to imagine that you bleed a river of blood and you murder people. Okay. That would be better, actually. I mean, it, it is strange how often that that trope comes mm-hmm. up in these stories. Um, I think I think Carrie, one of your favorites, mm. is, is the obvious example. That movie literally opens with her 
in the shower getting her period for the first time. Yes. And because she grew up in a repressed, deeply Christian household, no one told her. Right. She she had no warning this, this was going to happen. This thing was going to happen to her. And so, unfortunately, she has to learn from her not-so-nice classmates that she has to plug it up. <laughs> uh, and so that seem, that seems to be the sort of moment of awakening for her womanhood, for her telekinetic powers. Like, it is in that time. It's like she does become the sort of sleeping threat that she always was. It only right. she got a period now and now it's, you know. And and I think, you know, we we can attribute this partially to it being a male writer mm-hmm. in Stephen King and a male director in Brian De Palma. We we do have that mixture of sexuality and horror all cobbled together there. I mean that that scene it, it it's a classic Brian De Palma slow-mo, slow-mo shower yeah. scene where she's totally naked and in the locker room with all the other slow-mo half-dressed girls and yeah this this sort of erotic mm-hmm. horror kind of thing going on uh you mentioned repression i feel like that's the other element that that is all almost always there in these stories that and i think that's that's true of the where like the werewolf trope in general mm-hmm. i think there's a sort of element of kind of it being a metaphor for sexual repression etc but yeah, I think there's this, for some reason, I think society is just terrified of, of taking the lid off. Specifically teenage girls is, a, is what we're talking about here. a young woman here. who feels free in her body, who, right, who has who, agency. Who owns her sexuality. Who owns her sexuality. Yes, terrified. Absolutely terrified. Why is that? <laughs> well, because we live in a patriarchal society. And so we have very specific ideas of the role of women and young women in society and they are not to be the aggressors they are not to actually own their sexuality sex really isn't even for their pleasure it's for the man's pleasure mm-hmm. um so this goes against everything that a cisgender male patriarchal society is built upon so it becomes threat it becomes monster so at the same time that you are saying that this is a, a monster that threatens violence oftentimes in these films the young women become hotter after Yes, absolutely. That's so. Like you're you're sexualizing her in a very overt way and saying, okay, now she's hotter because she got her quote unquote period, or <laughs> she's hotter now that she became a vampire, or she's hotter now that she became a werewolf, or she's hotter now that she's been possessed by a demon, and is now even more of a threat to men because they are enticed by her hotness and they then become victim. Right. Uh, there's a very good two part article on horrorhomeroom.com <laughs> by Sarah McCartney. I'll link to it in the show notes. Uh, this article is called The Rise of the Girl Monster. And McCartney actually says, she says, you know, this is, it's an old trope, but that the, mo- she says the modern era of the girl monster starts with Ginger Snaps in 2000. Mm-hmm. But she starts out saying, beware the girl monster as deadly as she is beautiful. She is that compelling horror creature who is driven to bite, mutilate, and devour her victims out of an uncontrollable compulsion or appetite. She is most often characterized by her sharp teeth and unruly body, but rarely appears in the same form twice. The girl monster is as old as the horror genre itself, but in the last 20 years has enjoyed a renewed popularity and is arguably one of the most prolific horror cycles of the 21st century, as well as one of the least remarked upon. And she talks in that article about how throughout history and even mythology that there are these sort of seductive... Mm -hmm deadly you know the medusa and the sirens and that kind of those sort of figures and that this is kind of a a modern representation of that mm-hmm. she talks in there about how often there are castration <laughs> that a lot of fingers bitten off yeah. you know as a slightly oblique <laughs> metaphor for castration and yeah. then sometimes literal castration uh yeah it, it's it's an interesting dynamic it is and it's also sometimes queer in some ways. So you have films like Jennifer's Body mm-hmm. where she becomes a literal succubus. Mm-hmm. Um, and that movie is, I watched it again recently. And I was like, this is actually more interesting than I thought it was. I think the first time that I watched it, but you have this woman who was sexually assaulted in as a part of a like demon ritual sacrifice thing. And they chose her because by she, men, by right? men, mm-hmm. And she, she was chosen because they thought she was, she said she was a virgin. And I guess because she actually wasn't a virgin, the thing didn't quite work right. So she, (laughs) (laughs) she sort of reanimates as a succubus who is then going out and killing men 
in the form of what's her name? I can't remember. Uh, uh, Megan Fox. Megan Fox. So she looks like Megan Fox, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like all sex. It's just yeah. yeah. And there's no shame about her. It is very like this is what I want, and I'm gonna go have that. And at the same time, exploring what starts to feel like a very sort of codependent and queer relationship with her friend in the movie Needy. Mm-hmm. And they even have a little bit of like a makeout scene. Right. There. And so it's all it's all about this like disposability of men, the disposability of heterosexual norms in service to female pleasure, which mm-hmm. I think is fantastic. So well, I think that dynamic you just described is exactly what McCartney describes as sort of this modern girl monster mm-hmm. dynamic. And I think she she traces like Jennifer's body back to Ginger Snaps. Mm-hmm. So that's because there's two sisters in this movie. And, and I think there is sort of that kind of good girl, bad girl dynamic going on in a lot of these movies too, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But it is interesting. Something else she talks about is in most of these movies, these, these are horror movies in which the monster, quote unquote, is also the protagonist. Yes. Right? Which is an unusual dynamic for horror. Mm-hmm. Um, Carrie is certainly that. Our sympathies are entirely with Carrie, even though she is the quote-unquote monster in that horror movie. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, so what are what are some other your favorites in this? I mean, I think we both quote-unquote genre. We like Teeth, which was I I, I I need to watch Teeth again, but I I really like Teeth. All about the sort of phenomenon of the vagina dentata, which yes. is you know this mythology of a woman who has teeth within her vagina and she again this idea of castr- she castrates men yeah um and so i think with that one i think that was also an exploration of like sexual abuse and so there was this and sexual repression and because sexual wasn't repression. she like one of those in the church yeah she was like a yeah purity, purity vow yeah. kind of thing right so both of those things of sexual awakening and interest and at the same time a very real threat to male sexuality and physicality that was unwanted right so that one is great we both really liked raw um, I, I love Raw. That's one of my favorite movies <laughs> of the past 20 years. That one is visceral. Um, <laughs> but you have this this young girl who has been strict vegetarian her entire life. She goes to veterinary school. And as part of the sort of hazing ritual, they make them eat. I think it's like a rabbit kidney or something yes. like that. And she this sort of awakens. Awakens this lust for This cannibal flesh. lust within her. And it is graphic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it is, again, it's this idea of like, there is this insatiable hunger. And with that one, you're coupling the taboo of young female sexuality and sexual agency with the taboo of cannibalism and eating of human flesh. And so you're putting those things on par with each other. And so again, you get back to this idea of like, that is one of the worst things in society. This idea that a young woman could be out there owning her own sexuality and making her own choices, particularly in a way that is... Not necessarily connected to love. Not necessarily, like, it's just, right. I'm just, this is what I want to do. Right. And so I'm, this is what I'm going to do, which I think is great. I think certainly The Exorcist deserves an honorable mention <laughs> in this in this category. Mm-hmm. And that's one where it's sort of, hap- like, that character is not sexualized right. at all. She's a very innocent, sort of right at the cusp of like adolescence. yeah. Right. So that, I think it's more subtext in that movie. Mm-hmm. But she does become very foul-mouthed and sexual, sexual after the demon possesses her. And yes. yes, it's still, all that fear is still driving that narrative. The Craft, mm-hmm. I know, is one of your personal favorites. I love The Craft. Yes, The Craft That, is... I think, maybe has the key line for this subgenre, which is when somebody says, watch out for the weirdos, oh, girls. Nancy says, we are the weirdos, We are mister. the weirdos, mister. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and that's all of it, right? It is... Not only young women as individuals stepping into their, like, maturity and their sexuality and their power and the power in this film sort of manifests as, like, their connectivity to their sort of pagan abilities. It is also young girls who are outcasts who, again, once they sort of step fully into their abilities, become hot, quote unquote. Like, you have... You have Nev Campbell's character who is covered in scars and dresses right. very sort of conservatively. Very mousy, high, very, very high. Yeah. And then they, you know, they fully embrace their, their powers and all of a sudden all of the scars are going away and she's in a bare, midriffs and she's looking hot and it's all amazing. Yeah. And even like you have someone like Rachel True's character, the only 
black character or character of color really in that film after they've sort of done their whole thing her like curls are popping more than they were popping at the beginning like it's just and she has her own there's this whole other little sort of side story about that and so you have that you have the just the fucking awfulness that can be female friendship at that time where it's like you're both best friends and each other's mortal enemies at the same time and it's a very weird dynamic which again is a theme that is in so many of these movies it's in raw the, the two sisters mm-hmm. are just sort of awful to each just other. Just terrible. Terrible to each other. And because teenage girls can be fucking bitches. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> so it's all of those things along with like how they are ha- have become very real threats to the men in that film. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, I, I love the craft. Now, I'm, not, I'm not trying to start a fight here, but I think we, we have to talk a little bit about sleepaway camp. Why do we have to talk about Within this genre. Camp? Because, well, again, we have this this protagonist who you know spoiler alert turns out to be the the monster the killer yes now it's more complicated than that Mm -hmm. in sleepaway camp Mm -hmm. as we all know but i don't even know how to talk about that movie i just (laughs) because my problem with the movie is as you as we have discussed in my the way that i receive it and i have seen other opinions of it so i could very well be wrong it equates trans identity with being a monster Mm mm-hmm and so I don't even know how to like put that within this because it's because we're never really explicitly told does that child identify yeah, no, we're as not. female or like we we have no idea and so am I am I rooting for a woman killer or am I rooting for yeah I right. don't even know what to do with that movie it bothers <laughs> me so much because <laughs> I don't know the intent of it is so great to me I'm just not sure what it was I mean, I I think it's it's dealing with a lot of very potent yes. stuff and not doing it very not, responsibly right. is the problem. You're, you're left not to wrong. fill it in by yourself. And so what right. I fill in is, okay, you're saying a trans <laughs> child is a monster. So you can take it as this story of empowerment and sure. revenge and all that. But it's not done very no. responsibly no. at all, I admit. That final scene where it's just like you yeah. turn around and you see the general. And it's just, I'm just like, what did we just do here? <laughs> so, <laughs> but... You know, others have felt differently, and it's not that's not my community, so who am I to say? Uh, but yes, those <laughs> I'm sure this falls somewhere in here. I just don't know where. Okay, I was I was just trying to think of more examples of this trope. Here's here's a happier one for you. Is Wednesday Adams mm. in this category? Interesting. I mean, Wednesday's never really sexualized in any way, is she? Mm, at I least mean, not in anything pretty, that I've seen. No, it's pretty subtle. I think that, yeah. I mean, Wednesday's just a homicidal maniac. <laughs> Full stop. I know she's getting her own TV show, so I don't so know what that's going to be. maybe there will be more exploration be. there, yeah. And she seems pretty... Again, all I have to go on is the films, so that's probably not enough. But she seems pretty egalitarian in who could get it. Like, I could kill a woman. <laughs> I could kill a man. I could, <laughs> I could kill a cat. So yeah, I haven't I haven't thought of Wednesday in that way, but that's just because I think she's a she's just she's just a murderer, okay. and it's not necessarily connected to her coming of age. It's just that's Wednesday. That's who she is. <laughs> <laughs> who she has been probably mm-hmm. since she was a baby. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Uh, I was thinking about young vampires. Mm-hmm. We have is it Ellie and let the right one in? Yes. So Ellie's complicated because mm-hmm. Ellie technically, which I don't think that they explain fully in the film. Was a boy. Right. I thought I remembered something about that. Ellie was a boy when um, he was bitten by a vampire and then he was castrated and somehow, I don't, I can't, like what the reasoning was, was then sort of quote unquote raised as a girl. And so there's a shot in the film. Like sleepaway camp. Okay. So there's a (laughs) shot in the film where Ellie is changing in front of Oscar and you see that they have a scar where they're penis was vagina should have been but we don't talk about it really it's like right. you see it and then it's, it's sort of gone and we move on and then there's this really cute conversation between the two of them where oscar asks ellie to be his girlfriend and ellie's sort of like like well, i'm not like regular like i'm not a girl i'm not really and so you read that as i'm not a girl because i'm vampire it's also i'm not a girl because i was not born a girl right and Oscar, so he's just like, that's fine. I just, like, nothing has to change. I just want to, like... And so there's this beautiful moment of Oscar at an age where that sort of those gender norms and that sort of 
it has to be boy girl. Like he doesn't have that right, yet. It's more He's still able to just be like, I just like you and I want to spend time with you. And yeah. it's really beautiful. Moment. I mean, it's complicated by the fact that he's talking to a 200-year-old vampire. Um, <laughs> but it's like, oh, this is a sweet little relationship. <laughs> um, and she's actually the, Ellie's actually the, you know, the power in that relationship. Yeah. Like, she is, she is literally a monster. She's literally his protector. So, yeah, I, I love that movie. And then I think Kirsten Dunst in uh, Interview with the Vampire is the other. Yes young girl she sort of becomes a vampire before she even gets to puberty right she's sort of stuck that's part of the problem of that character right and i think we talked about this before of like don't turn children into vampires because it just becomes complicated for them it just fucks them up because they their mind and their experiences are speaking to an older life than their body and and but everyone is treating them as if they are the age that they are sort of that they look um and it gets very complicated (laughs) very quickly for them uh so (laughs) So what I was trying to think of, and I didn't come up with anything, was whether, were there any examples of this that were girls of color? And I couldn't think of anything. Mm. Because then you have young women of color, particularly, at least within the American context, are sexualized at a much earlier age. They're never really seen as young girls. They're women always. And so what would it mean? Is there the same fear around that? If you're always seen as a woman, like there's no moment where it's like, okay, now you've become a threat. You're always a threat because you've always been a woman in our eyes. And I couldn't think of anything. I can't think of anything. And Rachel True's character in The Craft doesn't get explored enough for us to even. No, she's like the fourth most important character in that movie. So I was was trying to think if there were any examples of that and I couldn't think of anything. Hmm. That's interesting. Okay. Well, I think you need to write that screenplay now. Yeah, I'm probably not going to do that. It's not my skill set. (laughs) Uh, We haven't talked about. Heathers, (laughs) Heathers, <laughs> which I think, despite not having supernatural elements, kind of falls into the same category. I mean, it falls into the category of, like, friend, your friends that are just terrible people. Terrible. Okay, people. but then the main character becomes a terrible, murderous person also. Yeah. What do you mean, yeah? <laughs> that was a mean group of girls. They had it coming. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then you have the added influence of... Uh, what's his name? Christian Slater. Christian Slater's character. So it's like, how much of this is a little bit of a Bonnie and Clyde moment mm. where they're having a little fantasy of that? Um, but yeah, that's it. I mean, all of this is rooted in teenage girls are awful in ways that very easily could tip to homicidal with like little effort. It wouldn't take a whole <laughs> lot. And that probably should be more terrifying to us. I think uh, the witch, mm-hmm. the Vavitch, the Vavitch, which we talked about. Was that last marathon? I don't know. In the last couple of years we did it. Yeah. I think that's an interesting one because she she sort of starts out as a very innocent character. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she's got her father's horrible repressive control and her mother is awful and the brother is leching after her. And it's like there's all this external stuff that eventually she becomes the monster. She doesn't start out as the monster, mm-hmm. but people keep accusing her of being, you know, the father's like, you know, you're a whore, you're yeah. tempting. And she's not, really. But then she's, at the end, she's like, fuck it. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna be a witch. I'm gonna become what they've all told me I am. Yeah, that movie is, it's interesting because, again, you go, you, you do go back to this place of, like, repression, but you have a young girl who, for the most part, she was accepting of it. It was like, this is... You know, I'm doing my duties, and mm-hmm. this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Though she was pushing a little bit at the edges. A, a little, little bit, bit, sure. She was, but, which, I mean, it was normal for a kid, not even like a girl, a kid her age, you're going to do that. But, yeah, there was this presumption that she was a growing threat within the household. I think there was even a conversation where it was like, we need to get her married and out of the house yes. soon. Yep. Because she's, like, the fact that her brother... <laughs> is starting to lust after her is now it's her problem it's her fault it's not him right and so this projection of danger onto women who are just she's just living like she's she's becoming a young woman that's how that's what's going to happen to the point where yeah she's eventually like okay i'm gonna go ride a broom naked with these other witches because you people are yeah well i think that i think that theme does run throughout all of this and it's part of what you were just talking about it's like society patriarchal society puts so much shit on adolescent girls mm-hmm. and like you said it's adolescent girls of color there's a whole different array of shit that mm-hmm. gets put on them but yeah there's a i think the the theme in this 
that runs throughout all of these is yeah that can that might explode <laughs> that yeah. might turn around and you push it too far yeah absolutely. Yeah. well this i mean the, the whole fucking society is like it's adam and eve the the problem was eve it's like really <laughs> well obviously yes who got the rules <laughs> adam got the rules and then adam chose to eat that apple and it's just you know this idea that young girls have to be responsible for the male gaze mm-hmm. when they are not in any way equipped mm-hmm. to manage or deal with that and so, if one of them slips up and murders you, yeah, I get it. <laughs> Here's the deal. Fair play. If, you know, I have to open a maxi pad and see have a happy period written on it, <laughs> if I don't fucking slice your throat when you say something wild to me, then you got you, you are a lucky friend because... It's only jail time that's keeping me from doing it. it. That is it. It is not concern for your humanity in life. It is not. No, it is jail time. That's the only thing that's stopping me from full on cutting your dick off. <laughs> and on that note. For two sisters. Together forever. United against life as we know it. With an appetite for the macabre. I'm slitting my throat. You should definitely hang. All it takes is one night. And one bite. Let's get out of here. What was it? A big dog, maybe? Did I change last night? How would the moon... How do you feel? Wicked. They're just being normal teenage girls. I'm not dying! I think she's gone. Ginger snaps and bites we're almost not even related anymore all right so let's move on briefly to this movie we're gonna watch what do you actually know about ginger snaps um other than what you've told me which is that it's a werewolf story that's sort of it okay i again i haven't seen it so i don't know that much more uh this is a canadian film released in 2000 written by karen walton and directed by john fawcett who and i had not realized this when I, I recognize the name now, went on to be one of the creators of Orphan Black, oh, a show you and I yeah. both enjoyed at least for a few seasons. Mm-hmm. And bringing this conversation full circle, our favorite character was Helena. Yes. Uh, the best of the Tatiana Mislani clones. She's fantastic. Who was sort of a girl monster. That's kind of what she was. <laughs> and entirely sympathetic, but also murderously homicidal. Yeah. Uh, so this was shot on a limited budget of $4.5 million. Uh, it didn't get a wide release, and though it had good reviews and good word of mouth, it didn't really make much of a splash, and it never made any money, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, it found longer life and better sales on DVD, enough at least to greenlight a sequel, Ginger Snaps 2 Unleashed, and a prequel, Ginger Snaps Back, The Beginning, both released in 2004, Neither of those I have seen either, obviously. But this movie has a great reputation, and I think it has become a legitimate cult classic over the years. Uh, Derek Ellie in Variety said, A slice of suburban gothic seasoned with a strong dose of Heathers. Ginger Snaps is a quietly subversive, my sister is turning into a werewolf movie that doesn't wimp out at the end. Scott Tobias, writing in the AV Club, talked about the inspired dialogue and superb lead performances and called it a smart, resourceful, and wickedly funny teen horror film that reinvents the werewolf myth as a potent metaphor for pubescent angst and humiliation. Outside of being a taut and effective genre film, Ginger Snaps isn't afraid to delve into the dark, uncomfortable corners of adolescence, and it's remarkably perceptive about the true horrors of becoming an adult. Uh, Oh, I liked this one. This is, you know, in my trying to convince you to get excited about the movie. Mm -hmm. Jim Vorrell, writing in Pace, said, The formula of Ginger Snaps is a bit like a precursor to the high school cattiness of Mean Girls, except deeply rooted in the 90s grunge rebellion of Daria. All right. You're a huge Daria fan. Yes. (laughs) Tom Charity, reviewing the film for Time Out, said, The film uncovers virgin territory in a genre we all thought had been flogged to death. 
With a trio of strong female performances and enough suspense to camouflage some dodgy special effects, this isn't just a good horror movie, it's a good movie. Period. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so as of this recording, Ginger Snaps is streaming for subscribers on Shudder and AMC+. It's available free with ads on Peacock, Tubi, Crackle, and a bunch of other sites. And it's available to rent from Apple or Google Play. We're going to go watch it now on Shudder. And when we get back, Nikki and I will discuss Ginger Snaps. I like it. It feels so good. Bridget. It's like touching yourself. You know, every move right on the fucking dot. And after, see fucking fireworks, supernovas, and a goddamn force of nature. I feel like I could do just about anything. You know, we're almost not even related anymore. You're fucked. Love it. She come for the ride. We'll scratch. Swap some juice. We'll be our own pack like before. So us be. I'd rather be dead than be what you are. And we're back. During the break, Nakia and I watched Ginger Snaps. Nakia, what did you make of this one? I liked it. I thought it was very smart and funny. I actually um, really dug this movie. Yeah, I really liked it. Okay, good show. Awesome. <laughs> wrap it up <laughs> what did you like about it well it was a not so subtle metaphor for the beautiful change that women go through uh i mean it, can we even call it a metaphor i mean it was i mean no it's it it's was written just, right into the yeah, script it's like it was such an unsubtle not it subtext just, so much yeah, as text. text yes it was very much relating the um journey into womanhood to becoming a werewolf. <laughs> Did you relate to that? Um, I think I relate I related to the idea of it feeling like a betrayal to a certain extent, mm. like your body just betrayed you in some really deep awful way of just <laughs> how fucking dare you do this. I did not however then have this like burgeoning womanhood thing where I slow-mo walked through the school hallway and, <laughs> and everyone stared at you because you didn't were so suddenly hot. It was all of a sudden like, I don't need my glasses anymore. That sort of thing. <laughs> where it's, it's, like none of that happened. Um, I was still just gawky and awkward uh, with a heavy flow. So <laughs> yeah, not so much. Let's let's back up because I I know from hearing from our listeners that people listen to this show all the time without having actually seen the movie. Oh, okay, that's unfortunate. Even though we we pretty much make it clear that we're going to spoil the movie. And... I mean, right? But I'm talking nonsense. If you have seen the movie, so then if you haven't seen it, right? I can't even. I must sound like Charlie Brown's parents <laughs> because I, I don't know. What... So that's fine. Right. Our listeners, you do you. I'm just saying we should probably do a little cursory mm-hmm. plot okay. summation here. Okay. At the top. Uh, so Ginger Snaps is the story of two sisters, Bridget and Ginger, who live in, a, is it Canadian? Yeah, it's Ontario. It's like a suburb Canadian of Ontario. Canadian suburb. One of those suburbs where like all the houses look exactly the same. Yeah, it's well, one of I those mean, suburban hellscapes. Yeah. Um, and they are, Ginger's the oldest. I believe she's like 15. She's, she's 16. 16, 16 and Bridget's Bridget 15. But they're in the same grade because Bridget skipped a grade. And their whole thing is like, goth, we want to die because life is so lame sort of thing. And so they have a pact of sisters that they either get the hell out of the suburbs by the time they turn 16 or they agree to sort of... Out out by 16 or dead on the scene is their their pact. Yes. And so they have this whole thing where they stage elaborate death scenes. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Uh, And apparently that was part of a school project, which I don't even know what the assignment was there. They stage horrible death scenes Mm -hmm. and take Polaroids of them. And then they, yes, they show up the Polaroids in school. So they're the quote unquote weird girls (laughs) in school. They're dressed all gothy and, and they pretty much sort of keep to themselves and very much social outcasts. And then one night, Ginger gets a period <laughs> while they're out sort of trying to play a, play a prank on one of the sort of popular, the popular girls. girls, Trina. And that 
sort of release of that blood. Almost instantly. Instantly attracts a werewolf. <laughs> we, we have heard earlier in the movie about the, what is it, the Beast of Bailey Dam. Right, that's been killing been dogs all Killing the pets and stuff, yes. Yes, but she has her period, she gets her period, <laughs> and immediately the werewolf attacks her. And that is sort of the start of, of our movie here. Yes, okay. So were you more more Bridget than Ginger? Uh, yeah, I was probably more Bridget than Ginger. I wasn't as... I didn't choose it. Uh, I felt like Bridget... Both Bridget and Ginger, before she gets her period, they seem like they they were actively against this idea of, like, teenage hormones and that sort of next step to, step into puberty. Like, they weren't really interested yeah, they in had no, Yeah, they had no interest no in growing No interest in doing up. any of that at all. So, I guess I would be more like Bridget, but I feel like Bridget's was... A choice, like they chose to be social outcasts. They chose to sort of reject, quote unquote, sort of self alienated female. Yeah, I did. I just was weird. Um, so <laughs> it wasn't really. I didn't opt in. Uh, I was, you know, I was born to it. Mm. I was born to the darkness. So <laughs> that's that's your bane. That's my bane. Okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I didn't. But yes, I I was awkward and I wasn't. A, I don't think I was an outcast. I had friends, mm-hmm. but I was a dork. I was nerd. I mean, I, I'm saying this in past tense. I am nerdy <laughs> <laughs> and awkward. So yeah. Did were, were you death obsessed? Were you were you at all I was, goth? No, I was not goth at all. I was not death obsessed. I wasn't either, but I was attracted to, to those, that type of chick, that type of girl. You're such a basic bitch. I was. Yeah. Yes. The girl I had a crush on in high school was very suicidal, wrote suicidal poetry, and that was that was my type oh my God. back then. Get off your Emily so. Class dick. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Be original. No, I didn't I I didn't have that at all. Okay, so yes, as you said, as soon as as Ginger gets the curse, as the she curse, says. Yes. She starts to change slightly. Well, she's attacked by a werewolf. And I actually like that it's it's not that radical a transformation. It's gradual. It's gradual. I mean, she was pretty tough before that. Mm-hmm. She gets tougher. <laughs> well, and again, in the sense that it's, you know, this not-so-subtle metaphor. For most of the film, the changes that she's going through, most people are chalking it up to, oh, well, she's on her period. Yes, that terrible school guidance, yes. uh, school nurse. Um. She's Wait. like, I have hair growing in weird places in school. Yeah, that's like, happen. that's normal. <laughs> that's not really what You're she not means. Ask any follow-up questions. <laughs> this poor girl is bleeding gallons of blood. At the very least, if your brain doesn't go werewolf, it should go fibroids, endometriosis. <laughs> like, she should get an exam. Some some kind of. This is how these things care. go undiagnosed yeah. for fucking decades. <laughs> Until you're 30 and they're like, yeah, your uterus is fucked, dude. And you're just like, nobody told me. They said it was normal. This is a normal period. It's just not normal. Her mom pulls out a pair of her underwear in the laundry. <laughs> it looks like it's been dipped in red paint. Dipped in paint. <laughs> it's basically the underwear that Carrie would have taken off. <laughs> after the prom. After prom. And she's like... I'll just spray these with stain remover. No, that's she shouldn't be bleeding that much. That's a lot. Now you want to use cold water on those. <laughs> you want to soak it. <laughs> what you want to do is burn those. Go out and buy some more underwear and go to a gynecologist. Yes, the mom is Mimi Rogers. It's a it's a nice little performance there. It is. The mom She's great. is a, an interesting character. Yes, she makes her a period cake. She does. I did not get a period. You didn't cake. get a period. A I congratulatory was not period given cake. Given a congratulatory with period dripping period red cake, icing right? on it. <laughs> No. Mom is not. very excited that she's finally got... Because these girls are late to puberty. They are. They, they say that they're two to three years, quote unquote, behind. Behind where they're supposed which to is be. Which is like, don't do that. Um, <laughs> no, my mom just called everyone. Oh, God. Really? Yeah, she that did. That sounds like your mom. Yeah, it does. <laughs> you didn't get her period! <laughs> <laughs> I'm is sure this that, really I'm a sure that was tree exactly moment? what you wanted her to do in that moment. Is this what we need to be moment. doing? Really? Yeah. I should have become a wolf. How I didn't is a <laughs> is an amazement. Yes. So she gets the curse and everyone is assuring her that everything that she's experiencing is totally normal and within the realm of 
normal woman menstruation process. Yeah. Um, and the guidance, the nurse is basically just like, here's some condoms. <laughs> Play safe. Oddly enough, the only person in town who figures out quick, I mean, Bridget knows what's going on. Pretty quickly. Yeah. Pretty quickly. And then the local drug dealer. Mm-hmm. This is part of at least a, you know, it could be a double feature with your favorite horror movie, The Faculty. <laughs> In which the drug dealer knows all, man. Is is the they're fucking chemists. The hero Every of the movie, movie right? they're just like they have ridiculous fucking chemistry degrees. <laughs> it's like, why don't you do something with this? Just Sam, the drug dealer, is but the yeah, guy that. So he's the first one to say lycanthropy. He's yeah. the first one to say werewolf. The night that Ginger is bitten, he actually ends up hitting the werewolf. Right, he runs with it over. Van. And he's like, oh, yep, that was a werewolf. Like, not even, <laughs> there's no processing of that. No. There's no questioning of that. Was, that was absolutely a werewolf that I hit with my van. And now we're going to move on. And so when Bridget sort of tells him, she she says that it's her because she doesn't want to rat out her sister. Yeah, that's an interesting moment. Because, I mean, the relation, we'll have to talk about the relationship yeah. between the two sisters. But, yes, she, she goes to Sam. She's very protective of Ginger. Yes, she's and, very she's, and she says, it was me, I right. was bitten. I was bitten, and he's like, okay, yep, we're going to figure this out. And yeah. so he figures out some sort of warm, war- whatever the fuck, sort of <laughs> Monkshood, something that he then sort of melts down and, and uh, turns into an injectable. But yeah, he's pretty he's pretty on it for Yeah, he is. Stoner in a van. <laughs> well, first he comes up with this silver plan right, that's a yes. scene we need to talk about yes so he has a silver hoop in his ear and he's basically like okay yeah and he says something to the effect of like this cured me as if he had silver purifies the blood yeah. and yeah i don't remember what he so he's like so put this silver hoop in her and it'll totally <laughs> clear everything up so all she really needed to do was take a trip to claire's the mall <laughs> Get a piercing to get this all wrapped up. Do you get pure silver when you go to Claire's? Oh, you definitely don't. I don't think. No, you. You get that shit that turns your skin green. Turns your ear green. Yeah, Yeah. but you know, you get the piercing. (laughs) So yeah, so Bridget takes the silver hoop, and we have this very weirdly erotic scene between (laughs) the sisters, where Ginger is sort of splayed out on the bed on her back. Okay, hold on. I'm gonna back up again because I think this is important. This is after. Ginger has lost her virginity yes. in the back of a car with the gross jock yes. character, Jason, mm-hmm. I think his name is, mm-hmm. um, and has been really unimpressed with that. So he's a pussy. So they, <laughs> he's been like riding her dick the whole movie and wanting to get in her pants in the way that gross boys <laughs> want to get in the weird girl's pants because you want to say you did it with the weird girl. And... She's bitten, and so now she's horny as fuck, and she's like, okay, let's go do this. He is not attractive, by the way. Not even, like, TV high school boy attractive at all. (laughs) And so they're basically, like, fucking tonguing each other down all over school, and then she's finally like, okay, let's go, and let's do this. And then he gets in the car, and she's basically, like, manhandling his ass. She's very aggressive. She's like... (laughs) Who's the guy here? (laughs) Not you, bitch. So... She basically just, like, tackles and ravages him and attacks him but doesn't kill him. Yeah, we actually end that scene yeah, thinking maybe thinking she might have she eaten had him. she killed him, but she but doesn't. It's, it's almost a rape scene where she's yes, the aggressor. She's very, very aggressive. And this is coming back to our discussion of, like, what's expected of teenage girls and how these... And he's, like, whimpering. You know, it's like, okay, you, this is what you like, wanted. Whoa, slow down. Now you got it. <laughs> this is what you asked for. So she does that, and then she's like, yeah... That was disappointing. <laughs> yeah. Which, as many, I won't say all, but many girls that first time is like, oh. She says, it wasn't what I thought it would be. He got laid. I was just a lay. I was just a lay. Yeah. It was not. Juxtaposed to later in the film, when she's telling Bridget about what it feels like to <laughs> yes. murder someone. And she's like, I see fireworks. It's a supernova. It's like touching yourself. It's like she touching says. yourself. You get it perfectly right. Like everything. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, that's just <laughs> a sad treatise. Well, this scene we were about to talk about, I think, is where we get the first hint of that. This yes. is so yes, the Sam the drug dealer has come up with this silver plan. Mm-hmm. So Bridget is going to pierce Ginger's belly, belly button. button. Mm-hmm. 
and put this silver hoop in it. Yes. And that scene is sexual as hell. It is, because Bridget sort of straddles Ginger and pierces her. <laughs> penetrates, penetrates her. Penetrates her. And Ginger's sort of like writhing around and moaning because I guess the silver is sort of affecting her and she's feeling a little bit of pain and liking it a little bit yeah. in a way. So it's a really interesting scene between the two of them. But they finally get this dinky ass silver hoop. I don't know how they thought that was going to was do. Was going to cure the werewolf problem? Anything. Yeah, no. But yeah. Now she's just a hot chick with a belly But afterwards button. she says, how do you feel? And Ginger says, wicked. Yeah. She feels good. <laughs> she's so got a belly piercing. Yeah. I'm going to look hotter. <laughs> That's all that is. That's that's not the last little incestuous no. queer moment no. in this film between the two sisters. I've been watching the uh, Brian Fuller's documentary series on Shudder. It's called Queer for Fear. It's about queer themes in horror movies. Mm-hmm. And I just watched the third episode, which does talk about Ginger Snaps. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically what, what everyone in there is talking about is that, you know, these... Werewolf stories, really any sort of transformation stories or fear of turning into a monster. Like, it's almost impossible not to read them sure. with a queer lens, read them with a trans lens. Mm-hmm. And in fact, they, in that documentary, they focus on the scene where Ginger is strapping down her, her tail, tail, basically yeah. doing the tuck yep. <laughs> to like get her tail out of the way. So it turns out Ginger didn't use protection. Uh, no, turned out that would have been a good idea yeah. when the nurse said play safely she didn't listen she she didn't listen to that advice so now she's infected jason yes and jason didn't turn hot this was my favorite little subtle thing about teenage the teenage years because it's spot on accurate so ginger is bitten by a werewolf (laughs) And all of a sudden, it's like little belly tops tighter. The boobs are up and <laughs> she tight. She gets hot. She the gets body confident. Is banging. Yeah. The hair is amazing. The skin is beautiful. <laughs> this fucker catches werewolfism from her, and he's pimply <laughs> he's and gross. Gross and like greasy. He's basically, who's the fucking the vampire's helper? <laughs> There's like a Igor. Igor Renfield. Like, yes, Renfield. Like that sort of. It's just like, oh, you. Ugh, Cringing thing. Just fucked. Because this is what puberty is like for boys. <laughs> the girls grow three feet and get super hot, and the boys just get I didn't. grosser. That was not my experience at all. I had zits. Like, I was not, again, like, I, you know what? I would be a werewolf if I could walk through the hall looking like that. That's amazing. But yeah, he looks fucking terrible. Yeah. What I also love is they flip something on its head so you usually get the girl who has an accident and she bleeds through her pants and it's like this embarrassing thing that yeah. she has to hide it's like oh yeah. no i yes and now he actually has a red spot on his pants it's like i had a red pen in my pocket and it <laughs> burst and it's like oh my god so the fact that he was he, the one yes, he's bleeding he's bleeding that, out his dick and he's pissing blood and <laughs> experiencing that shame of like oh god this is something yeah. She gave him the curse. She gave him the curse. So, yeah, I really like that little... <laughs> yeah, it's the, there's a lot of nice touches like that throughout this movie. Yes. Can we talk about why teenage girls are allowed to play field hockey? <laughs> if you like. It is an extremely violent game. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. You just give bitchy girls big-ass sticks, mm-hmm. and they just go at each other full on. Yeah. Anytime I've seen a field hockey game played on television, it's like they are trying to murder each other. Well, yeah, you've just handed them weapons. At the very least, you're going to get whacked in the shins a few hundred times. Like, why Why are we doing this? Uh, because of the skirts, I think. But they weren't even wearing skirts. They were just wearing sweats <laughs> and shit. So you just have these chicks out there that's like, I'm coming for your ass. It's like, why are we, they shouldn't be allowed to play field hockey. Well, that's an interesting point. In light of our you know discussion about... How girls are not expected to be aggressive and violent. Like, that's maybe one of the acceptable outlets for. Right, but here's the deal. I would then be aggression. on my period every gym <laughs> class. I'm like, I'm not fucking going out there with those psychos. So, yeah, they get in a fight with the, the Trina. Yes, the popular who girl. Who they really don't like. They are. Well, she's. Like, Junior calls her like a cum buckety yeah, something they, or other. They, it's like yeah. they are. They hate this girl. Well, because she's everything that they were against, which was yeah. totally into boys and popularity and being pretty and all of these things. And so they just. She stood for everything that they hated. 
And now Trina hates Bridget because Trina has a thing for Sam the drug dealer. Right. And Sam the drug dealer has now taken an interest in Bridget. Right. So. But not a sexual interest at all. Like, she needs to get yeah, I mean, you know, might have gone that way. Also, <laughs> Trina, Sam is not into you. <laughs> no. You just look dumb. So Trina takes the opportunity to sort of pile drive Bridget into the ground. And Ginger and all her newfound power just fucking goes after <laughs> her. And just, it's like that scene in um, Christmas Story. Where Alfie's like beating that kid, just like Scott Farkas, damn. So that's what happens on field hockey. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so at that point, they realize Bridget realizes we got to get this under control. Yeah, that's that's not what happens though. It is not. So Sam has cooked up the antidote, right? Bridges on his her, little lab in back of a greenhouse ba- Again, where he grows like, all his weed. Fucking, how, who, what, like how? <laughs> so Bridges on her way home to try to give it to Ginger. She runs into Jason, who is in the middle of like mauling some kid. Mm-hmm. And she stabs him in the neck with a syringe. And pretty much immediately, he's fine. He's like, yeah, no, the the drug dealer's the, antidote, the antidote works. works. <laughs> <laughs> so Bridget is happy because like okay it works we can do this. Um, you, you've skipped you've skipped the part where they kill Trina. Oh yeah, they do kill because I don't give a shit about Trina. <laughs> Which is kind of an accident. It is an accident. So Trina comes over the house because her dog is missing and she knows that they have been threatening to take her dog. Right. There's a whole sort of to do in the kitchen of the home and they knock over. I think it's like a carton of milk mm-hmm. in the melee. Trina has grabbed a knife and is coming for Ginger and Bridget. She slips in the milk, cracks her head on cracks the counter, her head. Right. and she's done. Right. Ginger's obviously like, yeah, and, <laughs> and Bridget's sort of like, oh shit, we gotta, we gotta do something about this. So they is that where she said? Is that where Bridget says, "If I weren't here, would you eat her?" Yes, she does. And Ginger's a little offended. She's like, "What the fuck? No." So they quickly. Somehow get Trina's body into like the deep freezer in the garage or something and basically stage one of their. Which is very clever. Yeah. It's very clever. So that when the mom, when their mom. Mom and dad are coming home. home, So they. It doesn't look totally out of order. Like this is something they've done before. They stage one of their death scenes in the, in Trina's blood and make it look like they were just doing one of their Polaroids. The dad is a little bit suspicious. He's like, this isn't quite right, yeah, but he's but, so checked out right, of everything. He, yeah. He's, he's fucking useless the whole barely movie. Barely in the room, the and whole movie. Once they real <laughs> once at the dinner table when the mother realizes that Ginger's gotten her period, the dad looks like physically <laughs> disturbed and ill and just wants to like sink into the floor and not have anything to do with her until she's like twenty five, yeah. basically. He's just like, yeah. Okay, you are now not a thing to me because you're on your period. So they hide Trina in the meat freezer. And in order to distract the mom, because the mom has brought all this meat home. So, of course, she's going towards the meat freezer and is getting ready to put it all in and would then discover Trina's body. They're like, oh, mom, can you talk to us about what boys want? (laughs) And then you get this wonderfully awkward little thing where they're sitting with like milk and cookies. And she's like, and that's what boys want. (laughs) And they're sitting there looking mortified. Mom is so thrilled that they're She's finally so asking her advice about they're anything. They're coming to her for advice. And it's like, it's no, just, we just didn't no, want you to see Trina's see body. body. We murdered someone and kind of needed to distract you. So yes, then you were then you were talking about Jason. It's Halloween, of mm-hmm. course, where the the climax of this movie happens. Yes, Bridget, the drug dealer's cure <laughs> is supposed to be almost ready. Mm-hmm. Bridget locks her sister in the bathroom. Right. Like, okay, you just you you hang here. I'll be back. She goes to the school, she meets up with Sam the drug dealer, she gets the cure, and then on her way back to the house, she runs into Jason, mm-hmm. basically maul- mauling some kid or right. something. Right, right. Uh, because he's, he's starting to get a little wolfy. <laughs> and deteriorating. So Bridget is forced to use, use the, the cure on mm-hmm. him, and it works. It does. Somehow, Sam the drug dealer has intuited the exact right recipe to cure cure lycanthropy based on flowers that her her mom bought at like a craft store (laughs) it's all very so that's all well and good Mm -hmm. but then i think so what happened so she gets back to the house and ginger has 
Ginger's out. Gotten out of the bathroom. Because she's a fucking werewolf. <laughs> she's not a full-on werewolf but yet. But she's But pretty, she's getting... She's, she's there. Trans- we didn't even mention her tail. Yeah, she, well, I think we did mention the tail. So, she, yes, she's growing up his sort of a vestigial tail. She's got hair all over the place at this point that she is <laughs> trying to shave down as much as she can. Her nails are basically now talons. Her teeth are becoming, you know, wolf teeth. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, she's getting there. Yeah. But still hot. I mean, <laughs> you know. All right. So, I don't even remember what. So, there's a big party going on at the school. Or no, I think it's not at the school. So the party's going on at the drug dealers, like his. Oh, at the, the greenhouse. Place. Yeah. So Ginger is busted out of the bathroom, mm-hmm. has made her way to the school. Mm-hmm. And so far, Ginger has not killed anybody, right? I mean, Trina died accidentally. She killed a dog. She did kill a dog, but the dog was barking at her, she said, so that the dog <laughs> had it coming. Uh, I, no, I guess she hasn't killed anyone yet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then she does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she kills the guidance counselor. She shreds the guidance counselor. It's a pretty bloody scene. Uh, Bridget then... finds her there in the office with the dead guidance counselor, and Ginger's like, "Well, he was gonna rat me out, he or was something. gonna rat yeah. me out." He's... So again, I had no Bridget choice. Is like, okay, yeah, just stay in here. I'm gonna close this door. <laughs> I'm gonna and go get some like, cleaning supplies. The idea that like closing a door on a fucking <laughs> werewolf will, will contain—I just I don't understand the thinking there. It doesn't. Uh, unfortunately, the janitor. Ends up coming in to try to clean, or he knocks on the door, and so obviously he has to die as well. Yeah. So. And that's, I think that's where we have the scene you were talking about earlier, where Ginger is talking about how good it feels mm-hmm. to kill. Mm-hmm. And she says it's like touching yourself. It's you see fireworks, and it's yes. amazing. Yeah, that's the other scene where it where it threatens to turn really sexual between the two sisters because mm-hmm. Ginger is like basically trying to seduce. Bridget in that scene and she's like it's almost like we're not even related anymore yeah I mean it plays their whole vibe has been codependent the entire film so it's very much like I die you die I become werewolf you become werewolf this that their fates are somehow intertwined and one can't go without the other Mm -hmm. uh so we're we're getting we're getting to the point where it's we're not going to be able to pull ginger back no she's she's gone from the brink here she's having a happy period Uh, meanwhile, mom has found a couple of Trina's fingers, so that's a whole thing. Mom has now figured out that they killed the missing Trina. Mm-hmm. So she's making her way to the school or to the party. Uh, Ginger makes her way to the party. Heads straight for Sam and tries to seduce Sam. Right. Who is sort of fighting her off. I mean, he puts up a good... He he, d- I mean, he does, but yeah, it's like... Mm. He's tempted momentarily, yeah. but he's like, no, get off of me, Ginger, I'm not into this. Yeah. And then she breaks his arm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she she does. She does do that. Yeah. And she is transforming more yeah. as... At this point, she has teats, I believe, on her stomach. Uh-huh. Uh, so she's... She's She's got the head ridges. Yeah, it's, she's it's, got... It's coming in. Yeah. So Bridget uh, is trying to get to the party at the greenhouse. She ends up getting picked up by her mom in their little mini van. And at this point, her mom is very cool about everything that's <laughs> happening. And it's just sort of like, this is my fault, you know. And what I love is her mom says something to the effect of like, you know what? I'm just We're just going to go home. <laughs> we're going to turn the gas on. We're going to light a match. We're going to blow up the we're house. We're just going to blow up the house. <laughs> and we're going to start over. And Bridget's like, what about dad? And she's like, yeah, fuck him. Like, people would blame me. So it's like, we just got to go. It's- she's not saying she's going to kill the dad. No, but, but like, they're going to leave town without the dad. If he died, she'd be okay. She's just like, That's yeah. What a non-entity the dad is. That's fine. Like, this is about me and, you know, my daughters. And so the the, the fact that she, like, no questions asked is just like, we're just going to have to start over. Yeah. And I'm going to have to blow up the house. <laughs> I pre- that's a ride or die mom. That is a ride or die mom. I appreciate that. All right, so somehow they get Ginger in the back of Sam the drug dealer's van, mm-hmm. right? Right. And they're going to take her home and give her the cure. Yes. I think we hear we hear her like fully transform. Yes, and we see in the back of the van yeah, her become basically a full on lycanthrope. Right. No longer there's really no remnant of young teenage girl there anymore. Right. And then this is then we're back at the, the the climax of the movie here, where mm-hmm. 
we have full-on werewolf attack. Yes, lots of blood. We have, as warned, some fairly sketchy special effects happening here. They're not terrible. I don't think they're terrible, and I actually really like the practical Mm -hmm. effects. It's not CGI, it's just... Yeah. it, it doesn't look great, but it's there's a lot of careful editing, <laughs> yes. so we don't see too much, and yes. it's it's done pretty well. Yeah, no, it's not too bad. But yeah, Ginger is basically chasing them through the house. They've got the cure. They're trying to figure out how to give Ginger the cure, but Ginger is attacking them. She kills Sam. I I love that. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're like locked in a cupboard, right? She locked in the pantry or something. Something like that, yeah. And Bridget and Sam, and then Sam's like, okay, I'm going to... I'm going to sneak out and I'm going to draw her out and you give her the cure when she goes towards me. Mm-hmm. And like the second he opens he's, that door, she pulls him out and yeah. just and he's done. fucking shreds he's pretty him. Much done. <laughs> so much for the balan. Yeah. There's another interesting scene right there as far as the connection between the two sisters where they're, they've got kind of Sam's body between them mm-hmm. and Bridget tries to like go wolfish yeah she, she like, starts drinking of, his blood she yeah. starts lapping up mm-hmm. his blood and the wolf is kind of looking at her like okay right. are you are you one of one of right. me are you like me yeah are we in this together and then she vomits it up because <laughs> blood is fucking it's gross. really it's a really gross scene <laughs> and she's not actually a werewolf so she's vom- and so when the wolf sees her sort of vomiting it was like oh you're you're fucking trying to play me right now in this moment <laughs> And so she goes after Bridget. And they end up in, up in her bedroom. Um, the bedroom they shared their the, entire The bedroom lives. they shared. The bedroom where they have made the pact the, about how the they're going to die pact. together. Yep. But now Bridget says, I'm not dying in this room with you. Yeah. And they she wrestle and Ginger gets stabbed. Yeah, she stabs her sister. Yeah. <laughs> and, and dies. She died at 16. But Bridget lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, we didn't, I don't think we mentioned, at some point in this process, Bridget like did like joins the, blood with her yeah you know cut her own hand and did mm-hmm. the like you know we share blood thing yeah. so ginger i mean bridget is infected too yes and was supposed to take the antidote but we never see her do we that. don't ever see her do that so again there is a sequel to this movie uh, i'm not sure what happens in the sequel but my guess is bridget's turn it might it might be bridget's turn yeah another period cake <laughs> so what 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 does this movie tell us about the teenage girl uh, I mean, she is a force to be reckoned with, apparently. She's a sleeping giant until she gets the rag, and then it's all hell breaks loose. I like the lot. She says earlier in the film, fairly early in the process after she's been bitten, she says something like, I get this ache. I thought it was for sex, but it's to tear everything tear to everything fucking pieces. Because you're cramping and you feel like shit. <laughs> And no one understands, and everybody's... <laughs> and so it's like, yeah, no, I need to murder people. <laughs> and she has some disappointing-ass sex, so it's also like... Well, yeah, she fuck, needed man. to pick a better partner than... Well, no, it wouldn't have even... Boys in high school are not the best in terms of being thoughtful, giving lovers, so... And that was Ginger Snaps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, good movie? Yeah, I enjoyed it. This would make a good... You know, if you were doing a programming an evening, you could do this with a craft. Sure. I think it would it would fit right in with that. Yep. Show it to your daughter when she gets her first period. <laughs> As a cautionary tale? Or a... Encouragement? Sure. <laughs> Find your power. Go out there and fuck some people up. You have to pay for your shit. You gotta pay for pads and tampons and all like... No, fuck them up. Just go out there and fuck them up. <laughs> That's our show. We want to thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next week as the Unenthusiastic Critics 2022 Halloween Movie Marathon comes to a conclusion. Nakia, this year's marathon has been something of an experiment, as we've been watching movies that neither of us has seen before. <laughs> and so far, it's it's been a success. In fact, I think you've liked these movies better than the ones I picked. <laughs> it was a good bet. Um, which suggests that maybe it's my judgment that has been the problem. Well, because all you along. seek to put me in situations of pain, <laughs> so it's just. Yeah. So, in that spirit, for the last episode of this year's marathon next week, we're taking my judgment out of the equation altogether, 
and you've picked the movie we're watching. Yes. What are we watching next week? Uh, so we're going to be watching Barbarian. <laughs> okay. To quote your usual line, I don't know shit about that shit. Why are we watching it? Neither do I. <laughs> but this is, this is a brand new movie. This is another break in tradition. We don't do brand new movies. So I remember I noticed it when it was released. There was a lot of conversation about this really is like a really great horror film. Um, I so did hear good Return about to it. horror sort of thing. So when it was released, I was like, oh, that's something. And I think I told you to go see it. I had I would not go and right, see it. Right, which is what you always say. You should go see I that. Think, you should go see that. And so it was recently released on HBO Max. And so there's been some, some scuttlebutt in the Twitter streets about how good it is. And then it's actually best to go into it knowing nothing about it. So... Which probably we have to do fad, because if people are watching it, right. spoilers are going to get out. Yeah. So, okay. All right. So we got to get in on the on the ground floor here of the <laughs> barbarian experience. <laughs> okay. I'm excited for this. All right. As Nakia said, Barbarian just landed on HBO Max, and it's available to rent from the other streaming services. It, it may still be playing in theaters, <laughs> for all I know. The paint on this thing isn't even dry. <laughs> In the meantime, you can find us on the web at unaffiliatedcritic.com, where you can download earlier episodes, leave us a comment, sign up for our email list, or make a donation to support the show. You can also follow us on Twitter at FreeRangeCritic, or send us an email at michael at unaffiliatedcritic.com. In any of these places, we encourage you to suggest a film Nakia desperately needs to see to make her life complete. Until next time, remember, true love means conning your partner into watching movies they really, really don't want to watch. I mean, I think the moral of the story is... Oh, okay, good. Don't have sex with teenage boys. Murder them. It'll feel better. So not even have sex with them and then murder them. No, no. Not even just use them for sex. No, No. because she didn't enjoy it. Well, no, she didn't enjoy it. So it's not even like, oh, I got to use him for sex. It was just like, that was a waste of my fucking time. And now he's just going to go talk trash about me. She definitely would have enjoyed murdering him Yes, so just don't skip that part and just murder them. (laughs) Sound advice, I think, for life. I think so. And if your flow is that heavy, see a fucking gynecologist. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) Don't let anybody tell you that's normal.